stumbled across the honest pod with Carrie Garcia, where my hope is to create a safe space to share stories that foster healing, hope, and the honesty needed to live free and fully alive. And now for this week's episode of the honest pod. honest pod. I've been waiting for this day uh, because I actually wanted to build a series uh, around the idea of what it means to live out the hard and the holy as a woman in different areas of like workmanship and different areas of places where we, where we find ourselves as women. And it is not that hard for me to find stellar women in ministry and stellar women running nonprofits. It has been a little bit harder for me to go, who would I want to have on to actually represent stellar women, Christian women who are running thriving businesses, who have great kids and, you know, seemingly doing all right. Uh, And so for the longest time, I have been thinking of who has become a very good friend Miss Christina Smallwood, and she is here today, finally, on The Honest Pod. Welcome, Miss Christina. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm truly honored, Carrie. Like, the first time I saw you speak, it was just, like, electric. And so the fact that that was, I don't even know, I think, like, six years ago or something a while crazy ago. that, like, we're here and so much has changed in growth and the influence that you've had. And um, yeah, I'm very honored that I'm the, the business woman that's going to bring in, you know, all the hard and holy of life and perspectives and I'm ready to dive into it. I know. And that's the thing is like, I remember seeing you on the stage and you were actually asked to be on that stage to speak on, you know, kind of the influencer, kind of what it means to be a Christian and be, you know, an influencer. And that was, you know, six years ago. So even then that whole influencer idea was kind of a newer thing, like coming up and stuff. And what really drew me, because there were several women on the stage, but what really drew me to you was your authenticity around how hard things are and and yet how much you feel committed far beyond the greater, like, I'm just here to like stack cheddar. Like there was such a greater drive for you. And what I heard in what you had said all those years ago was how much you truly cared about seeing women be successful and women feel empowered um, and how they can also love Jesus. So I was like, I've got to have a better relationship with her. And over the course of the years, we've been able to kind of connect here and there. And, and I've been watching as God has given favor in your business. And you are such a delight to actually watch on Instagram. Like, they're, like you bring fun. You're, you are unashamed of the the role you really are i am people are like you show up like a savage (laughs) all the time and i love that i love that you are unashamed what was that the easiest thing to do i believe is literally 
be yourself. But at the same time, that is so hard for people to be themselves. So it, it just cracks me up. I love when people use those kinds of terms like unashamed or savage or you're brave, you know, And it, but it's crazy that being yourself is so hard on social media, you know, especially showing up as a Christian woman. Right. So no, I'm super. Yeah, but it's so it really is. And it's, it's enjoyable and refreshing to watch. And yet also in the same breath, like you have chosen to steward your lane. Well, one of the um, series that we did uh, a month ago or so was uh, about um, ministry, a marriage ministry and mayhem. And a lot of what we talked about in ministry is this idea for women is that in order to have a kind of a ministry, it has to be some kind of like stage that they're preaching on or a book that they're writing. And it's all around like Jesus and using their story for Jesus. And they forget that there's a whole entire world that God has called us into um, to be a light in the darkness. And we forget about women in the Bible, like Lydia, who was a crush it for the kingdom woman in the marketplace, not inside a church, not inside, you know, a platform of, of books and writing all these things. And, and I do feel like that you have owned the lane that God has given you and you have ran that the race for that in a way that feels honest and, and yet not without its own hardships. And so I want to talk a little bit today about how, how, what it has been like for you to hold the hard and the holy of, of running a business that is not a Christian business as a Christian woman. But before we dive in, I want you to start like, who, who are you? Like what, 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 if you were to define Christina in a nutshell, give us the cliff notes, like how would you define who you are and what you do? Okay. Okay. So I am someone that I really do strive to show up authentically and show other women and rise up other women, especially in business, but mostly in confidence. I mean, and that can come through in all different categories. Mm -hmm. Um, And I aim to inspire growth. I aim to, I use humor a lot. Um, I aim to show people that you can be yourself and um, that it's actually like our superpower that God gave us is to be authentically ourselves. Mm. Um, but I run and operate a business. I run and operate my social media, me, myself, and I. I do not have a team that does it. Um, and I, I'm a mom. I you know, wear all the hats that moms do, right? You're a chauffeur and all the things. But Ultimately, my I believe that my purpose on this planet is to be that light for other women and just show them not, you know, you can look at all these other people and you can think like, gosh, they're so amazing. I could never mm-hmm. do something like that. Wow. Like, I feel like my, my passion is to say, yes, you can. Mm-hmm. And whatever that capacity is, um, that really is my message. It's crazy. Like I, I was talking with someone yesterday, my, my publicist or whatever, I got one of those now. And she's like, what do you want to talk about? And I'm like, I just want to build confidence in other people. Like, I don't, I don't have a book I'm selling. I don't have a podcast. I do. I don't really, I don't know what my mission really is, but I feel like that's my purpose. Yes, (laughs) for sure. One of the things that we believe over here in my little slice of the world is that out of the particularities of our pain actually comes the particularities of our calling. And I'm curious for you, 
what would you look back on your life and like whatever we are passionate about usually comes from the places of our shadow side or the places where we have actually been wounded and where we start to experience healing. We look at the earth and go, hell no, not on my watch. Do I want anyone to have to experience that in the way in which I did? And I'm curious for you, what do you think began to build such a passion to help women be confident in who they are? Well, I think it stems from my not having confidence when I was little. I mean, I was really outgoing. Mm -hmm. um, And I think that that was mistook for false confidence all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think just that little girl that was looking just to be so accepted. And so it's crazy that as I got older, um, what, what ended up happening to my life was I became infertile. I had an infertility diagnosis and then we went to, you know, adopt. And then our daughter was born prematurely and then she, you know, suffered a brain injury and then she was born with special needs. And I became an inclusion advocate, which was really how I started my social media. But ultimately it's kind of all the same purpose, right? Just for people to feel like they can be themselves, find Mm -hmm. love, find acceptance. And that authenticity piece is really just, just it. So Mm. you, you know, talking about owning your stories and every, it really has connected so many dots for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and just realizing, wow, like I'm actually speaking to that little girl in me every single day when I'm talking to, you know, this platform of women. Yeah. Did you grow up like believe like was Jesus always part of the picture and or was he not part of the picture or what what did that what was your kind of faith journey in in regards to that So I was named Christina my parents were born again Christians when or became born again Christians when I was in the womb so I had you know very, very new young Christian parents, Mm. very legalistic, like God bless them. You know, they did the best they could. (laughs) So if I made bad choices, it was basically because of the devil that was inside Mm. of me. So when you talk about your rebellious spirit and smoking candy cigarettes in fourth grade and all that, like that was me. I was the pastor's kid that had the rebel spirit and just this like pushing of the boundaries. And so I was the black sheep of my family, you know, Mm. and I, I don't want my family to feel bad about that but that that's just what it was I was labeled rebellious which means that I'm not loved the same yeah I'm bad mm-hmm. so I mean and anytime I rebelled it really was just against my parents but it seemed like it was against God you know mm-hmm. and so um I I did go down the drugs path the alcohol path the looking for love in all the wrong places path mm-hmm. and um I think, you know, I was very lucky to find my husband because I don't know where I would have ended up if it weren't for him. God just threw him in there to save me. But um, I, I I was down that path for sure. And it was, it was rocky. It was lost. It was felt feeling unloved and unaccepted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Powerful. And I mean, now we can start to see some of those pieces um, where that idea around being confident in who you are. And I just think about, cause very similar to you, I just think about like, it wasn't that I was this bad kid. It was that I saw the things that seemed wrong and I wanted to speak against them, but that that wasn't welcomed. Uh, in the way that like, I was like, this isn't the right, I mean, I'm like seven and I'm like, this isn't the right way to do things. Like, I don't think this is the right way to do stuff, you know? And 
that then caused tension for my parents who, this is my story, but for my parents who wanted to keep secrets and not talk about what was really going on and just kind of perform really well. And I was this kind of noisy gong of not everything is perfect in our home. Not everything looks right. Not everything is right in our home. And I think for many of us out there, um, when we have someone in our home that is doing drugs or rebelling or drinking or whatever, it, it is an indicator that something is not authentically happening in the home, that there is a breakdown in how we are experiencing connection and honesty. And, you know, I would label that as um, a somewhat of a prophetic nature. So there, you know, you, and I see this in you, there's this kind of like, I always say the prophet is kind of standing outside of the kingdom, ringing the bell saying, hey, there's a better way. There's a better way. Like they are the hope bringers. They're also the truth tellers. But as per the scriptures, mm -hmm. the truth tellers and the prophets of the world <laughs> get killed and uh, they get kicked out of the kingdom. And so mm -hmm. that creates kind of a shadow side of that prophet nature. And it's this idea like you began to say and got a little teary-eyed that something's wrong with me. I'm a stranger. I'm almost like an alien. Why, why don't I fit in here? And yet I know they love me, but I, but I don't know that. And I, I, and because that feels so overwhelming, it's easier just to numb all that chaotic feeling. And like, I'm so different. I'm, you know, I'm the noisy gong I'm the bull in the China shop, you know, whatever. And I'm not confident. I feel deeply insecure. This is for me anyway. Um, and yet I'm very extroverted. And I, and I just, I remember that little girl who wanted to light the world up. And then for a really long season, I just wanted to light it on fire. Like it, there was just so mm. much frustration and anger in me because what I was seeing and what my heart felt to be true was incongruent. Is this God? Because if this is God, I don't want anything to do with it. Does that resonate with you at all? Oh, I mean, dear God, I could have written that out. I mean, it was it's beautiful the way you word it. And I, I feel like one of my biggest like gripes in my house was I like I was constantly like, can we just be real? Can we just be real? Like I felt like I was like a broken record of that. And that was like such a perceived threat or something to, you know, this young pastoral family. And so I completely get that. I think that there was a legalism that was in place. And I just was like feeling like you're right, ringing the bell outside, like there's got to be a better way. And I think I still, I still kind of get into debates with my, with my Christian friends and colleagues on the way I operate. They, they believe I should be saying certain things on my social media and that I should be standing for certain things on my social media. And I'm like, that's great that you feel called to do that. But I feel very confident in how I am called to bring people in and be truly that fisher of men right. um, on the that I show up on my platform. Yes. Uh, it's so good. And I love what you said. Like, can we just be real? And when we start to look at those, like, uh, those, those moments of, of you even so early on prophetically speaking, I mean, you were a threat. You were a threat to false kingdoms. So when there's falsity, you are very, prophets are very disruptive. We are. I am. You are. We are disruptive to the status quo. We are disruptive to systems that create oppression. We are. 
And that is actually how God made us. And yet it is a difficult thing to hold when that prophetic nature has not been stewarded well, when it's actually been assaulted or it's been mocked or it's been, you know, you're a, you feel abandoned or left because of that. It does create some, a season and sometimes a lifetime where you just always feel like the stranger, but there there seems to be an integration and a welcoming for you into your your prophetic voice in this land. Like you you have not left the faith. You, I mean, it's very obvious you're a believer. So I don't even know what those people are talking about. But uh, it's very obvious you're a believer. It's very obvious you love Jesus. It's very obvious you love women and business. And so, what was kind of the change? How did you go from being the rebel and the the one that was like, I want to burn this place down because I'm so angry into the woman that's like, I actually want to elevate the people to become who God has called them to be. So I think it was a matter of changing my environment. Um, I was, I'm very much an empath. I am someone that's drawn to, you know, problems. I was a hairstylist for many years and Mm -hmm. You know, I love the women I worked with, but those environments can be toxic in the fact that they end up gossipy, they end up competitive, they end up literally like almost the opposite of the fruits of the spirit. In right. in almost every single salon I worked in, of course, there's great people, but there's something about that environment that breeds that. And um, and at least for me, it was toxic. And I would say that like next to alcohol, like gossip was my next drug. Okay, mm-hmm. and that was like something that kept me down. Um, and so really shifting that me out of that environment into something new. And this is where my business came into play for me. And like, I really feel like God presented me with that at that time, because it was an opportunity to actually use my, my gifts, like my personality skills and gifts that while I was a talented hairstylist and I could do a mean balayage and give you the most amazing long layers you've ever had in your life they were amazing. And I, and I stood behind this like very, very, I'm going to say like, um, shallow talent. It wasn't stepping into my purpose talents. Mm. And so that shift into him using me in a different way really was like that turning point for me. Mm -hmm. And what do you think made you be able to start feeling grounded? Like, did you and Jesus like have a come to Jesus moment? Because if you're raised in legalism and you're kind of like, look, I'm, you know, this is all crazy. There's got to be a better way. And I don't even know if it's in this. What, what did it look like? Here you start this business. God's introducing you into maybe a different business and a different way in which you can use truly your God-given gifts. What did it look like for you to transition God into that picture or your kind of restoration with your relationship with him? Okay. So I would say that I had a light relationship. We were seeing other people with God, right? And um, we were seeing other people. Um, But it was more like my fire insurance. Like I I know I'll come around to being really close with him, but that kind of seems like it'll be boring. But like Mm -hmm. when I get older, I'll be ready for it to be boring. And um, I knew I knew I was going to cut out alcohol. I knew I needed to cut out gossip. I knew I needed to do all these things. Um, and so one, as I put one foot in front of the other, um, I would, I would pray for specific things. 
Um, and I really had to, that come to Jesus moment for me was it's kind of this like crazy story of as they always are, Mm -hmm. um, with me deciding that I was going to eliminate alcohol from my life and truly surrender something that was a daily habit and crutch for me. Mm. And that I was going to face all the things I didn't like about myself. Cause really that's what alcohol got me away from. Right. And I was going to allow Jesus to, I remember being in church. It's going to make me cry. I remember being in church and being like, I can't do this. Like all I wanted was it to be four o'clock and me to have my glass of wine. Like it's, it's so ridiculous, but it's so big. Yes. And I remember there was whatever the worship song was, I'm blanking on it right now, but it was like, he is our strength. Mm. And I'm like, Oh, Okay, I get it. I get it. Like he is gonna help me do this. Like, oh my gosh, like why am I forgetting that that's a huge factor in this? Like it's not just something we say, like, okay, and so every night at four o'clock when I would start that craving, I'd be like, Jesus be my strength. And they say take it one day at a time. Um, but whatever it is that's hindering anyone in their life, I would say, like, you just treat it as such. Like you are not alone. Like you do have his strength that can conquer anything in the world, Mm. um, and out of this world. And, um, and, and ultimately that's what it was. And that was a little bit over three years ago. And I've seen a huge shift in my every, every facet of my life since. Mm. Wow. And that, I love when God kind of gives you, Hey, this is what I have for you, but you need to get your house in order and house, Mm. meaning your own self, you know, like, And it's not because I'm like, I'm condemning you. It's because I want to invite you into the goodness of who I created you to be. I want you to reclaim that little girl that was speaking up and saying, we need to be honest and real was actually telling the truth. She was actually telling the truth. And for years, she was really being lied to that she needed to play numb, dumb, you know, far, small, uh, shallow when really God was like, look, I have this, this thing for you that is going to help bring women into who they were called to be. But without your house being in order, you will never taste the fullness of that. And it just feels like it was so heavy conviction on you and you had a choice to make. Am I going to listen and, and obey or am I going to keep numbing the little girl that wants to tell the truth? And I had tried to do it two other times. Mm. Like I, uh, I really tried to do it two other times. So I, I like, I knew, I knew it was God's voice. Like I was completely resisting it and getting worse and worse, you know? Yeah. And um, I think that came, what came along with that piece of it was just the humility, the humility that comes with um, coming face to face with, things that you hate about yourself yeah. or that you are not proud of yeah. and then saying Look, we can change this like mm-hmm. we can shift this we can grow this we can eliminate these things these weaknesses mm-hmm. um and and honest honestly through through my business and how I work with people like that is my ministry is diving into that because I get to deal a lot with everyone's fears mm-hmm. and so it's like if you can help someone overcome one fear you can almost unlock this belief in themselves. And that's my favorite thing of what I do, like favorite. So amazing. So let, let's, let's dive into that a little bit. So, you know, this was a big component and the reason, I mean, I know that this is your story, but I wanted so many women that are listening to this and even men that, 
that God can show you what he has for you, but he actually loves you more than your output. <laughs> he, he actually loves you so much that he's like, look, I, I can want to give you these things, but I care more about your soul and your heart than I do what you're going to do for me or you know how what the output is and so with that being the trajectory you stepped into you work for money which is an MLM you have uh, you know crushed it on moving up and i have watched the trajectory of that and i will say it's not coincidence around you know you you had a growing platform but you know there was a lot around you know with your daughter and that that platform was kind of growing but not necessarily the monate part of that you know for you on the influencer side or whatever. But over the course yeah. of the past three and four years, your business has had favor on it. It has had favor on it. And that and some of it's you, like you're killing it. And the other part is like, I just really think God has given you favor with people. So tell me a little bit about of what it's been like to grow a very successful business Tell me some of the hard and holy aspects on a macro level, and then I'll kind of get into some micro questions, but just even what were some of the things you had to overcome to kind of step into, you know, okay, I'm I'm not drinking anymore, but, but now I have this thing in front of me (laughs) and how am I going to grow it? And how am I going to steward it? Well, what was some of that like for you? So in the MLM industry, it, there's all these things that people, that come into play and these weaknesses, right? It's going to prey on all of our insecurities. And when you help other people be successful, um, a lot of people are not prepared for success. And mm. it's it's kind of crazy because it's almost the same as people not, people are more prepared for failure than they are for success. Wow, and that's other things, we deal with egos, we deal with new levels of, you know, just different, different scenarios that most people are not equipped to even think about. Mm. Um, and so leading leaders is something that, um, as an insecure people pleaser, you just can't hide. You can't hide in leadership. So I mm. had to deal with that. And I, I chose Christian mentors. Um, a lot of the company offered Christian mentors in, you know, in general. So that was actually amazing. And I do feel like God completely favored, favored, um, my, my, I don't know, following whatever his plan was for me. Mm -hmm. Um, but in the overcoming of hard things, I think that it really is just get putting your ego away, um, focusing on, okay, is this, what Jesus would do in this situation, because you see these quotes and you see all these business tips and it's like, you know, match someone's energy. You know, if someone brings you a vibe and it's not your vibe, like kick it out the curb. And it's like, okay, if you want to be an amazing leader, I believe obviously Jesus Christ was the leader that we all want to emulate. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, what would he have done? If someone comes to me with a bad vibe, I'm not going to, Oh, I don't like your vibe. You got to go and be like, let me bring them in me love on them. Wow. Let me listen and let me help and truly being that becoming that servant leader. Um, so completely like surrendering, um, and sacrificing my, my schedule to be that servant leader for my team and also my audience. Cause I think there was this like little battle for me as my business was growing and my time was being very stretched and I was like, oh, I have to make a boundary. Like I, ha- I have to let people know. And I think that, that that was a big fail on my part. I rubbed a lot of people the wrong way when I was like, look, if you're not on my team, 
don't, don't come for me with questions and like want help. And that was just like kind of that first level, first devil that came for me was that seed planted in me. Like, no, 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 no. I'm only going to help people that financially contribute to me. Wow. And I'm like, at this point in time, you know, I will, I'm here for a greater purpose. So I want to help everyone. I know, I believe rising tides float all ships. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't know if that really answers your question no, because there's totally so does. many different scenarios that come yeah. in. Um, the next level was incorporating Jesus into my platform and my yeah. business. Yeah, a little bit that. more. Um, because I just was like, I want to give God the glory. So many people stand up and give themselves the glory and they could do all these business trainings and they, and like at the end of the day, I am here because God wants me here and he's brought me all the business partners that I have and brought them all their business partners that they have and laying your hand over your computer or your phone or whatever before you do something and saying, God, like, I don't need abundance. I just need you to bring me the right people today. And that Mm. shift in how I pray over my business really shifted everything Mm. Um, and also brought a whole new level of haters and negativity thrown at me and things designed to stumble me in what I'm doing. And I'm at the point now where I feel like the more opposition I get from something, the more that means that that's what I should be doing. (laughs) How do you handle that? How do you handle people coming at, I mean, you have quite a bit of followers. So people, I think the more followers you have, the more reach you have, the more people feel the freedom to say whatever they want to say. So without any accountability from face to face, like you would never say that to someone's face. Like, how do you, how do you navigate that? Well, I had a scenario, um, a little over a year ago, I was like pretty heavily online bullied. Um, and it was someone I knew (laughs) and I like had herself my phone. (laughs) Um, and it just started this brigade of like, you know, every, like tell, like send me dirt on Christina Smallwood, like Mm -hmm. literally. And thank God I had already done the program. I had already apologized to everybody I needed to. Like, I didn't know why I was doing that at that time, but obviously God knew what, you know, the future had in store for me. And so there wasn't much dirt to present, um, that was going to get blasted all over. But I had the opportunity to sit down with her face to face and I requested this call and um, I just told her as much as you were smearing me this morning, yesterday, the day before, like I, I love you and God loves you. Mm. And I don't know, I just, I never felt hatred because to me, someone that's going to do this, like they need love, they need grace, they need God's goodness. And she was a believer or so she said. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, how do you defend yourself to someone that says they have God on their side? And I think in a society, a lot of Christian women struggle with this because yeah. they're like, well, I'm praying about it. I know what God's doing in my life. And right. everyone's like, well, I know what God's doing in my life. And it's like this power of like, who God favors more. And it's like, let's cut that. Yeah, gross. Like, great. Grace is like the ultimate way of showing love, I believe, in this world today where everybody's offended about everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so that's what I do with it. And I honestly don't look. I do not look. Um, and all of my people close with me or that know me really well, that have my cell phone number or I talk to on a regular basis, know, like, don't send it to me. I, I know if I see it, it's going to affect me differently. And I really believe that I just, I don't look and that's okay. If it's going on, it's none of my business. Wow. It's, 
it's, I hear, I hear you saying the, as you're talking, I, I hear the, the strength. And then as you're also talking, I hear, and yet guys, I'm human. And mm. the things that people say that it is hurtful. It is hurtful. There is a human being on the other side. And the beauty is that you, you know, you're going, okay, with grace, I can love you. I wonder for you, do you have, you know, as a woman who is pretty high up in the company, like one of the highest persons in this company, do you have a, a circle, a small circle of women that just have your back? Or is it just like you and your husband? Or is it the people in your church? Like, what does that look like where you have people that can hold you, speak truth into your life, even, you know, when you're wrong, but also hold your heart when the arrows are coming? I have my husband who's like just been so amazing with everything and dealing with my success and then me becoming the breadwinner and all this stuff. Like he's just absolutely incredible. Um, I paid for therapy for quite a while while I was kind of learning to um, be assertive and yeah. have a backbone and discernment, right? Because who really loves me? And um, I, I have been fortunate. I do have a small circle of people I know say good things about me when I'm not in the room that defend me when I'm not in the room um, and that pray for me and that tell me the truth. I think that's, you know, going back to that little girl that was like, just be real. If someone's telling me everything I want to hear, they probably are not my real friend. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> I, my favorite, favorite people on this planet call me out all the time. Well, you mm -hmm. don't really mean that. Like, mm -hmm. I, I love it. I love it so much. So mm -hmm. um, that accountability piece, I think, is truly super huge for growth. Yeah. And so let's speak to a little bit. I, I'm curious about, you know, what you just said. Here you are uh, doing really well and you become the breadwinner and your life has radically changed over the course of four years and how much you guys are making and, you know, what that means for your husband. Tell me a little bit about the dynamics of that. If, you know, only share what you feel like sharing, but the, the dynamics between what has that looked like between you and your husband as you guys are not playing quote unquote traditional roles or whatever. Um, what, what has that looked like and how have you guys navigated that? So I think there was maybe a few months of like this kind of like, oh, we used to argue a certain way before mm -hmm. I stepped into this level of income. Mm -hmm. We used to argue a certain way. Um, and I don't know if it really was the income or just my skills that really helped because it's all like I made all these changes and then two months later... I believe, I believe God started blessing my business as I riddled my life of alcohol, went to therapy, like mm -hmm. I literally broke myself down to build up. So that, that piece of me did come first. This like, I'm going to learn how to use my voice. I'm going to learn how to have boundaries. I'm going to learn how to love people unconditionally. Like I'm going to learn all these things. Then the success came. So I don't know if, which one it was, but sure. nonetheless, our arguments started to change. And instead of um, me succumbing all the time or like just completely being like, you're right, I'm, I was wrong, like, you know, laying down and being like, okay, okay, white flag, like, let's go. Um, I started standing my ground a little bit more and not in like, a, I wear the pants now, like right. thing, but just like almost more like we were on this level of equal. Um, I did that for a short time. 
Um, <laughs> I didn't love it, to be honest. I love having the, the man of my house be mm-hmm. the head of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not the financial guru of the house. I bring in a lot, but he puts everything where it needs to go. If, mm-hmm. if, if it was me in charge, it would not be a great situation. Same. Um, <laughs> So I, I just, I, I, he's always continued working. I love what he does. I still treat it as though, you know, we are not, I'm not the breadwinner. I don't know. Like I didn't let it go to my head, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I really respect that familial style Mm -hmm. of the man is the head of the household. We respect him as such. Mm -hmm. And, um, he never got threatened or insecure about it though. And then a year later, after just watching my life, I believe just get enriched and blessed, he decided he was going to give up alcohol too. And I became, I feel like a good influence on him when before I was not a good influence on him, you know? And Mm so just really cool. We grew together a lot in a lot of these shifts, but I mean, if you came to our house, like, I mean, it, you just would never know, like you would never know that, um, that I was a breadwinner. I do say it for these purposes. Cause I think that it's important for people to know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I mean, our, our dynamic hasn't shifted that much. Yeah. I think I what say, I hear you, you saying, know, I, I think it's important for, for what you're saying. And, and we, we've talked about this in, in previous episodes about what does it mean to be in marriage and headship and things like that. And, um, you know, what I hear you saying is that for the longest time, your husband wasn't actually getting you. He was getting a version of you that was very um, numbed out and like, I'll just lay down, white flag it. And as you started to heal, your voice came into play not to overpower him, But for you guys to fall in love in the new level of, hey, this is actually who I am and the things that matter to me. And he then is like, well, I love you here. And and can we meet in this place of mutuality, not because of money, but because we're healing. And I always say that I tell people this all the time that if you change the science is your home will change. Now that doesn't mean at first it's going to change for the better, or it's always going to be for the better, but the healthier you get, it will force your family to operate in a different way because the way you operated has now changed. So the way you show up in that space has now changed. And, and that, that mutuality, it's not like, Oh, my husband's over me, but we're actually coming together. It has nothing to do with uh, money. It has everything to do with mutual respect and understanding that my husband has my best interests, like he cares for our home. And I actually get to be protected in that, not as oppression, but as protection and love and care. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really beautiful, I think, for a lot of people, because a lot of women that I work with in the business that I do is I work a lot with uh, high level CEOs and stuff who are like, I, I'm at a point where I can't grow anymore until I heal. <laughs> um, so they come to me when they're like, I'm ready to make this amount of money. I'm ready to do this amount of things, but I'm stuck. I'm stuck at this place. And a lot of their understanding has been around what does it mean? Not so much around the money that we make. What does it mean for me to show up honestly and I'll invite my husband into that conversation and then see what God does, you know, around the money. Does that make sense? What you I'm know, saying? it's so eloquently put like everything I butchered to say. <laughs> no, it's so good. I, I, you're just so articulate. I love it so much. 
I um I was thinking about it too. Like my my husband and I, we are in the same and like, he's in sales too, and so we I'm able to now really understand what he does on a on another level that I've gotten to be really good at it. And um, I don't know, it's just so crazy how connecting it is when you have this like similar passion. Mm. Um, and before we we just didn't, we had TV shows and we had all like similarities, obviously, but I wouldn't say he was like a super strong Christian either. Mm-hmm. And he would throw, he would say that to me all the time. He's like, if you, if you love God so much, then why are you, why are you gossiping on the phone? Like he was, mm. he was calling me out and I, and that caused a lot of strain because I was running from those truths, the truths mm. I wanted so badly I was running from. So I think there was this level of like, okay, I'm going to take accountability now for all these things. And it, my husband's not the bad guy for saying this. Right. And I actually see that like, wow, he's just loved me so much. Mm. Um, and it's hard. I think, I think a lot of women, you know, want their husband to be the bad guy a lot of the times, mm-hmm. especially if you're talking other women and I'm just I feel like I'm a husband advocate (laughs) yeah (laughs) and I'm talking yeah me too me too and and it's taken a lot of years to get even for me and my husband Mm -hmm. to get to where we are today um it was a lot of work it was not just like all of a sudden we woke up one day and was like oh my gosh you're thriving and I'm thriving and we're you know we're thriving together it was like no this was a lot of hard conversations a lot of honest truth and um, and a lot of, you know, just really wrestling out what it meant to, as I grew and healed and as he grew and healed to be able to understand like no, who we are now. Um, because who my husband married is, is, is partly me, but definitely a different version. I am definitely a different version of the woman that he married. Yes, 100%. Okay, so here's what I want to ask you for women that are on here. They're believers, they're Christians. And they are, they're wanting to, to invest in their business and grow their business. One of the things you said early on was, and I just think this is so profound because honestly, this is me. Like you're speaking to me when you said women fear success, they wouldn't say it. They think they need, they want success, but they are more comfortable with failure because they know it more and they don't know what to do with success. Would you expand on that a little bit? Like, what do we do in that? And why do you think that's such an issue? Oh, I I mean, I deal with it a lot. I believe that a lot of Christian women that I bring on, I tend to bring on a lot of believers. Um, I believe they, when they start enjoying something so much, um, or they feel like, oh, I want it so bad. That competitive drive kicks in. That's probably one of their strengths. That's going to mm-hmm. make them very, very successful. They resist it because it's perceived as greed. It is misconstrued for like, oh, you just want the wrong things. They go on Instagram and there's moms talking about just being home with their babies and like that that's what God calls people to do. And so it's like, there's these mixed messages and signals and this guilt and this self-deprecation. Mm. And the, you know, probably other patterns and insecurities that come into play. But I believe as people start to feel successful, there's shame in it. Wow. I, I see it all the time. Like, I mean, I remember being embarrassed when I earned the car. People mm-hmm. were like, you need to go live and share about earning the car. And I'm like, what do I even say? Like, mm. <laughs> what are people going to think? And it's wow. crazy because you never think that people that are super successful online are thinking like that. Like, right. what are people going to think about my success? Are right. they going to think that I'm greedy? You know? Mm-hmm. So I, I, 
I mean, and that that's it in a nutshell. How I mean, do you encourage them to over like? What is some of your like? This is how you're. This is how you overcome that, or this is how you move forward. Because if that's prevalent a lot, then and you're seeing that a lot. What I'm coming to you, and I'm like, you know, I have this thing going on, and I it's actually a really good thing, and I'm enjoying it, but I'm terrified of what's going to happen. Like, how do you walk someone through that? Well, I think it's really important to point out that. Because you've done it, that means other people can do it. So now you are kind of taking them out of feeling like they did all these things and saying, hey, look, there's other people that can do this too. And so by you sharing your story, you are going to help inspire other people Mm -hmm. to want to do it and believe that they can do it. And so instead of seeing so much shame in their success, we help them see the like the grace in their story wow. and say that. And honestly, I think that this industry in particular, it's um, a lot of people want to take the credit or like, you know, I see people post stuff where they're like, um, you know, self-made and all that. And it's like me and one of my business partners, we talk about this all the time. Like this isn't like in this industry, it's not self-made. It's literally like you have to be able to give credit where credit is due. And a lot of people struggle with that because they're like, well, then are they going to feel like I owe them something? I mean, there's all these different things that come into, come into the equation. So crediting your team, crediting Mm -hmm. your customers, crediting these people that brought you there. I mean, you don't see an Etsy shop start and people say, oh, you know, I did this all on my own. They say, thank you to my customers. Thank you for doing this. Thank you to the, you know, whoever inspired me. And so just give gratitude out mm-hmm. all over the place. And no one's going to be like, oh, she's so selfish. Look at her crediting all these people, you know? Right. And so I, I mean, it's that fear of looking selfish. Mm, that's so good. Like that you didn't, and this is really the heart of Jesus. Like I was just reading the other day about, and cause I've been like struggling with just a little bit envy, a little bit of comparison. It's creeping in. And I'm like, ugh. and I was reading, God brought me to the scripture where it talked about the, this vineyard and where this guy started working at five o'clock in the morning. And and he's working all day. And then God's Jesus starts, the, the landowner starts inviting new people to work throughout the day. And then there's a guy that comes in at five o'clock and he starts working. Well, when they go get paid at the end of the day, the guy that started at five o'clock gets the same amount of money as the guy that started at five o'clock in the morning. And he's mm-hmm. like pissed. And I'm reading the story and I'm like, honestly, I am too. Like, if I work that hard, I should get more. Like, I want more money, you know, or I want more credit or whatever it is. And I love Jesus's line there where he looks at him and says, all of this is mine. Are you jealous of my generosity to whoever I want to give it to? And that's when he literally says, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Like that's where that scripture is coming from, that out of that story. And I just felt so convicted in the sense of like, I'm so worried about oftentimes what other people are doing or just seeing like, look at. I've been preparing this field and you guys came in and we're able to prepare with me. Why don't we rejoice together instead of being so hung up on who did what and when and where and whatever, because it's actually robbing me of the joy of actually the work that I get to do. And that is what I see in you. I mean, it's not all the time, but it does seem like you actually like what you do. And that you actually, I mean, I don't think it's about shampoo that you're like, I am on this planet to sell shampoo. I think 
from what I've gathered, that there is joy in exactly what you just said. I am watching women provide for their family. I am being a part of a community. I am giving confidence by, by sharing my story with them. And they get to start walking in further uh, abundance and gratitude and joy. And I love that you're just painting the picture of, guys, if you want to be an overcomer and overcome these places, where are you sharing the glory? That's powerful. Ooh. It's so good. I think that like the little rebellious girl in me, right? Like I, I was someone that looked at the lunch tables and if there was someone sitting by themselves, I would go and sit with them and talk with them. And it was almost mm. like I kind of was always attracted to whatever everybody didn't love, right? Mm. Or whatever everybody didn't like. And I think it's kind of funny that I ended up in direct sales in an industry that has all these crazy, like generational curses of, you know, these chains upon it that right. there's such a stigma. And I'm like, okay, God, you you want me to go into this industry that's the the lonely kid at the lunch table and wow. and really pour some life and love into it and um, hopefully, you know, help change people's opinions of it. Wow. I... I love that. And I just, there's just so much in that of if you were to take the time for those that are listening and really think about the places where, where you kind of got lit up as a kid, where you got excited and you offered that as a gift to how could I take that little girl before she was, you know, kicked out of the kingdom or before she was orphaned or before, you know, love died, those things. And I were to take that little girl with the gifting that she had and the eyes that she saw and begin to apply that kind of strength to who I am today, the moxie and audacity of a little girl to go to a table and say, I'm going to sit with this one. Like, what would happen in your business and what would God do with a heart that was devoted to him in the sense of saying, God, I am not going to live in scarcity, but I'm going to grow whatever you put in my hands. And if it grows to a few people and that's what I that's what you've called me to do. Okay, but I will not stop because of fear. I will steward what's in my hands and as it comes I will steward it with humility and sacrifice and uh community. And that is mm -hmm. this like so beautiful. All right, last thing before we kind of wrap up because this was so so good. Um you work with women all the time and what would you say for the woman that is starting out? And she really is like, I have a business idea. I, I'm, I'm ready. I've got the pieces in place. I want to kind of press go. What would you say and encourage them as they're kind of listening to this? Pray about it, obviously. And that's where you've, that's brought you to wanting to press go. Mm -hmm. Ask yourself what your motives behind it are. I think that like understanding why we want something so bad and write out as many reasons as you can mm. and then dig deeper. Oh, I want it for, you know, financial purpose. Okay. Then why? And like get to that root, that like little girl inside of you that, wow. you know, is yearning for these things. Find the ways that that passion can be used moving forward in what you do and keep your eyes on your own lane and and what brings you joy in doing that and don't and lean into the hard things there's going to be struggles remember what i said like the more opposition that i was facing the more i knew like this is god's plan for me pray for those signs he will give you those signs like this is what i'm calling you to do inside of this mm. 
and um, don't listen to outside people that aren't doing what you want to do. <laughs> like, right. don't, don't do that. And I think, um, you know, co- don't compare yourself to, you have no idea what God has in store for your journey on your path. Um, and just lean into it. I don't know, like lean into the hard, lean into the good and allow yourself to truly find who you're meant to be in, you know, whatever it is you're pursuing. Yeah, it's so good. And for those of you that are listening and you do not follow Christina, you need to go follow her. We'll put her link in the show notes, but you can follow her for her business and she does a lot of stuff. And I know a lot of people that actually are in her downline and work for her and speak very highly of her. So these aren't things that I'm just like, oh, I just like Christina. It is tried and true. She is very much what she says. But in addition to that, she shares, uh, she pulls back the veil a little bit more than most people do, shows you the hard, talks about her, her sobriety, talks about what it means to be a mom with a kid with special needs, who's fantastic, by the way. She's a light. She is. Uh, and, and just really what it means to be an adoptive mom, what it means to, there has never been a time where I have watched your stuff and I've been like, she's putting on a, she's just put on a veil for us. Like, it is always from the heart. And I think the more what you what you heard Christina say on here, which we talked about for almost half of the episode before we even got to business stuff, was all the internal work she did so that she actually was prepared for success. And that's what I want to mm-hmm. offer to you guys. I had a friend tell me a while ago, she goes, Carrie, I know you're ready. You know, you're always preparing for failure if it happens. But our, you know, this was when my book came out. She goes, are you actually ready for the success that may come or will come when this book comes out? And I'm like, I don't know what that means. And she's like, get your house in order. Like, make sure you know what's right and true and hold to that before you try to find that external stuff to heal an internal thing. And that's what I hope you guys got out of this, that, you know, as Christina is walking in very much the marketplace, surrounded herself with believers, uh, you know, a small group of believers, but had to do a lot of work before really favor was even available to her in the fullness of what God had. And that's what I hope that you guys hear. It's hard and it's holy all at the same time. And that's, that's, that's what we're talking about in this series. Christina, thank you for sharing. Any last thoughts, any last words, anything that you're stirring in your spirit? Just thank you so much for having me on and saying all these beautiful things. And I just keep thinking in my head, like as you're talking, that it's like it's like you are um, a rock in water and you're trying to make the water all around you still. And I feel like as people go around little pieces of their life, they're literally trying to just make the water calm all around mm-hmm. them to get to this place. Where they're like, okay, now I'm good. Everything's still. But that you can make your rock yourself so solid that it could be storming around you and nothing go out you want. And you could be so solid in who you are in Christ. And like, that is the goal. And then everything else falls into place. Woo. That is the way to end. If you really, that is perfect. I love that. Uh, thank you so much, Christina. I, I honor you. I admire you. Um, thank you for being a real voice in, in the kingdom of God on this planet and helping other women really reclaim who they were created to be before all of the, the judgment and the assaults and the hurt and the mockery and betrayal that you are calling them back to 
to who they were created to be. And I think that's a holy, that's a holy calling. And right now the vehicle is Monate and that's amazing. And God's brought favor. But I think if, even if Monate was not here tomorrow, you would find another place where you would pour into women to help them become who they were created to be. And that's how we know that God has done deep work, that it's never about the vehicle and it's always about the calling. So thank you for modeling that so well. May all of you guys know that the honest places of your heart is where God begins. And so may his favor shine upon you. May you be the most honest you can be with him so that he can begin to bring the healing that you so desperately desire. God bless you. See you next week. We are so thankful for the talented Tanya Godsey offering her amazing music with us. You can find Tanya on Spotify and other streaming platforms. And hey, we would love to answer any questions you may have for us right here on the show. So you can send us those questions to hello at thehonestpodcast.com. And as always, thank you for letting us share about the not so easy stories that make us and entering into the honesty and courage it takes to love who you were created to be. So until the next time, friends, may God's love and kindness be an offering to your heart, both now and always. Oh.